Gracious God, Lord, we give you thanks for this day as we are filled with such great hope. As you were transfigured on that mountain so long ago, Lord, with all your power and all your glory revealed, you give us hope for all that we may face in this life. And so, Lord, we ask that you fill our hearts this day with that great hope. Hope that you have come to bring us now and one day that we will experience forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, as many of you know, this past Tuesday was Valentine's Day, and that's a day where we celebrate joy and love, uh, both with the people that we have in our lives, perhaps, and even maybe over some things that we love in our lives. Uh, and in fact, uh, one of those things for me happened this past Tuesday. Uh, there was a special announcement that news outlets were covering everywhere, and everyone was trying to get the, the scoop on this incredible announcement. It was uh, a, a announcement about something that I love one of my favorite TV shows. See, this past Tuesday, they announced uh, that on March 15th, it will be the beginning of the new series, uh, the new season of Ted Lasso. And, well, I'm not going to clap, but amen to that. So, I was clapping on Tuesday. Uh, so, uh, throughout the morning, I have heard from different people who have seen this show or heard about it. And uh, it's something that uh, I have come to really enjoy. And uh, basically, the premise is that it's an unqualified American football coach is hired to go to England and coach in the highest level of soccer for one of the teams at the highest division. And there's so much more to it, but that's kind of the basic idea. If you want to talk more after worship, I'll be in the comments. Now, I mentioned it to you this morning because one of the things that has made this show wildly popular and people really love it is the upbeat and perhaps even seemingly unrealistic positivity brought out by the main character, Ted. Uh, he's known for his quick-witted humor and one-liners that uh, just make you laugh and really bring out this sense of joy. Uh, one of them comes in an interesting, kind of unique moment. Um, it's when a player makes a mistake during a practice, and he calls the player over, and he says to him, you know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? It's got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish. And then he tells the player to go back, and the player, confused, runs back to the field. But, you know, it's essentially saying, forget your mistakes and move on. It's clear, it's concise, it's straightforward, it's everything you want in a sermon, and it didn't take 20 minutes. <laughs> and, and there are plenty of other lines that come from uh, Ted and the show and other characters, but there's one in particular that I've been thinking a lot about over the last few weeks. And it's actually uh, the title of the last episode of the first season. It's the hope that kills you. And in the context of the show, and kind of uh, historically speaking in England, uh, this is something that was shared by fans of various teams who get so hopeful that their team is going to win the big game or uh, they're going to continue to do well, only for their team to lose and for their team to fail. And so it's as if all the hope that they had comes crushing down on them. It's the hope that kills you. And so eventually they're kind of saying, well, be careful with what you hope for. And for the past two weeks, as I've thought more and more about uh, this story from Matthew's gospel, that phrase has just been running through my mind. So as you've heard throughout worship, today is a special day in the life of the church, and churches all around the world are celebrating. Transfiguration Sunday is a day that comes every single year on the Sunday right before Lent. And Lent, of course, begins with Ash Wednesday and marks six weeks in which we find ourselves reflecting on our relationship with God and turning back to Him as a response of faith. And all of that culminates then in Holy Week, which is when we begin on Palm Sunday and walk through Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, which leads to the death and crucifixion of Jesus. 
And then three days later, the celebration of his glorious resurrection on Easter. And so Transfiguration Sunday really marks this incredible, huge moment, this moment that is full of hope, only for us to then begin our collective journey down into the valley. Down and now only walking towards the cross. And it's with that context in mind that I found that phrase perhaps helpful for us to ponder this morning. It's the hope that kills you. See, because I get the impression that this may have been one of the ways that Peter and the other disciples were feeling on that day on the mountain. And it's interesting because if that's the only thing you took away, then ultimately you're missing out on so much of what Jesus is doing here in the midst of this story. There's this unique tension between those two uh, examples, between those two realities of what hope is for us. I want to explore them this morning. See, because as the text opens up for us, Jesus takes those three disciples, Peter, James, and John, to the top of a mountain. And then right in that moment, he is transfigured before them. All his glory, all his power, right there for them to see and witness and to sit at the feet of it all. I get the impression that this is something that uh, they have been waiting for for so long. And now, here it is. It's nothing short of miraculous. Right? I mean, this moment to be in the glory of Jesus is something that they've all heard about. The prophets have talked about it. But now, here they are, getting to see it right before their very eyes. Right? And it makes sense that that Peter responds the way he does. He's known for speaking. And so, he speaks. He says, Lord... It's good for us to be here. If you'd like, let me make a dwelling place for you and for Moses and Elijah who were there as well. And now one of the things that Pastor Mark and I have shared numerous times about Peter is that he should often find more time listening than he actually spends speaking. And this is one of those moments that so much so that God, in fact, interrupts him while he's speaking. But I think we can all kind of understand where Peter's coming from here. Right now, on the one hand, it makes sense because, well... Peter's probably been waiting for this moment for a long time. If you think about just growing up and hearing about the Son of Man and hearing about the Messiah and all his power and all his glory, then this was a moment that Peter perhaps was waiting for for his entire life. If not, at the very least, his time following Jesus. So this is a fulfillment of of prophecies and of prayers and of promises coming true right here and right now. But another reason that Peter may have felt that way, that he may have wanted to stay up there, actually takes us back to what happened just a few days ago. See, uh, in the text, if you look in Scripture, it says at the beginning of the Transfiguration, after six days had passed, or six days later. So we're going to go back just six days, or maybe a little while before that. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 16, verse 21, Jesus is speaking with his disciples, and he goes to them and he tells them that he has to go to Jerusalem, and that he's going to be beaten, He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. And three days later, he's going to rise from the grave. Now, when they hear these words, Peter pulls Jesus aside. And it's that famous interaction where he says, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. That will not happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Right? You are setting your eyes on the things of man and not on the things of God. So uh, fast forward now to the transfiguration. Perhaps six days or maybe a week after that moment, Jesus is revealed in all of his glory. And for Peter, I can only imagine that this was his I knew it moment. This is the moment where he's like, I knew that's what was going to happen. You were going to be showing in all your glory. This is what I was waiting for. We knew that this was going to come to us, that you really were the Messiah. 
Because what the transfiguration does is it reveals to us who Jesus truly is. And yet, that's where the story takes a turn. Right? Because there is this miraculous moment, this moment that is filled with hope of all that is to come, but also being able to sit in the glory of Jesus, being able to take it all in, your hopes fulfilled. And then, just like that, the moment goes away. And with it, perhaps, hopes of remaining up there. Because then Jesus takes them back down the mountain, and, and he delivers, perhaps, what must have been difficult news to hear. As he's leaving, he says to them, don't tell anyone about what you just saw. Right? When I think about that moment, imagine perhaps how Peter must have been feeling. This incredible thing that now he can't even tell anyone about it. And what Peter and the other disciples don't know, that you and I know, because we talk about this every year, is that from this point on, all roads lead to the cross. From this point on in the Gospel of Matthew, all roads lead to Jerusalem. They're coming back down the mountain, and everything that's going to take place is going to lead to Jesus' death, his crucifixion on the cross, and soon after his resurrection. And so you've got this moment that is filled with such great hope, this miracle that quickly turns into a moment of perhaps lost hope, as if hope has been crushed for what Peter really wanted. So when was the last time in your life uh, that you had hopes for something and only uh, to see them quickly turn uh, to sorrow or for them to quickly be crushed? When was the last time that you put your hope in in something or someone and perhaps things looked good and everything was going to be great all of a sudden only for that hope to just fade away, for that hope to be crushed in an instant, maybe perhaps even feeling you a little empty? Uh, Maybe you feel that way or you felt that way when you look at the world around you. When you see uh, the brokenness and all uh, the sin that exists in our world. And how that perhaps can leave you feeling hopeless. Uh, One of the ways that uh, that I've experienced this or that I've thought about it over the last few weeks now. Has been uh, when I think about uh, acts of injustice that happen to people of color. Uh, the bridge builder's display has got me thinking about a, a bunch of different things. And so uh, the other day I googled the civil rights movement. And if you google it, it says that it started back in 1954 and it ended in 1968. And so on the one hand, there have been so many great things that have happened since then. So many incredible changes that, that life today in our nation is better for people of color than it ever has been in its history. And we can be thankful for that and celebrate that and acknowledge that there is still always room to grow. And at the same time, there's a tension there. Because uh, we can also acknowledge the great sadness and perhaps the experience, the feeling of hope that is lost every time we see uh, someone die because of an act of injustice. That every time that is placed before our eyes, it feels as though maybe we haven't come as far as we would have liked. Maybe things aren't going to get better. Or when will this actually stop? When will it not happen again? You find yourself wondering where or what your hope is in. Or maybe it's an experience that you've had that is perhaps deeply personal to you. I know for me, uh, one of the times that I think about this is actually going back to my junior year of college. Uh, It was uh, September, and so I was getting into the busyness of the semester, and college was in full, soccer was in full swing already, Uh, but my mom calls me one day and tells me that my aunt, who was living in Puerto Rico, is sick, 
and that my dad's going to see her. It was his older sister. And so I'm, you know, kind of surprised because this is coming out of nowhere, but I say, okay, keep me updated. And so my dad goes down to Puerto Rico, and once he sees the care that she's getting, decides once she's stable, we're going to bring her to New Jersey. We want her to have specialized care. So that's what he does. Flies back to New Jersey with her. She's getting specialized care. And after a few weeks, it seems like things are perhaps going a little bit better. She's healing. She's recovering. Uh, My brother says, hey, I'm going to go see her this coming Sunday. Now, I went, to brother, I went to church with my brother every week, so he says, just come with me after church. And I was like, ah, I got to get back to school. I got work to do. I got stuff to do. I don't want to go. I'll see her next weekend. So Monday comes, and uh, my mom calls me and says, we had a great visit with your aunt. It was so good. She was healthy. She was laughing. She was cracking jokes. She was telling your dad to take care of himself like an older sister would. And they enjoyed a good meal together and had fun and just reminisced and were excited about everything that was going to come. So Tuesday comes and I go to class, have a regular day, go to practice, and I left my phone in my room. So when I come back from practice and dinner, I see that I have a voicemail from my brother. And he says in the voicemail, I need you to call me back. And I called him back when I got back to my room. And uh, he told me that things had taken a turn for the worse that I needed to get to the hospital because my aunt was going to die. And I remember that feeling of sadness just overwhelming me. I remember that that experience of of losing hope that I had had because I hoped that I was going to get to see her the following weekend, just four days later. I had hoped that we were going to get to have memories and time spent with one another and all the things that we were going to get to do. And just like that, it was all gone. It felt as if it was the hope that killed me. Right? Uh, I think there are so many times in our lives where it seems like having hope is only leading to greater pain. That when you have hope in something and then it lets you down, you just feel like this emptiness, this brokenness inside of you. And if you've been there before, I want you to know that I've been there with you too. And that uh, stories like the one that we hear in this gospel reading from Matthew are ones that are so important for us. They're so important because they remind us about what this story of Jesus is all about. That Jesus comes to bring hope to us. That in the midst of our lives, in the midst of the world around us that feels as though hope may kill us, Jesus comes to bring hope that fills us. He repeats his promises and his words of love and of life so that we can carry on each and every day. And he does it for his disciples once again. See, if you look back at the story in verse 9, Jesus says, Tell no one about this vision until, the son, until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Those words right there, that sentence from Jesus, are some of the most hopeful words that you and I will ever read. And it's so easy to just kind of look past them. Because if you look at the text, that's what the disciples did. Jesus says those words and then they say, well, what about Elijah? What's he got to do with all of this? But just hear those again because that's where Jesus speaks words of hope to them. That after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead, then they can tell people. That with Jesus, with those words, what he's telling them is that the Son of Man will rise from the dead. Jesus is proclaiming the hope of the resurrection right here and right now. That he will defeat death and the grave. That this vision that they just saw will come true for all those who believe. 
And on that day, when Jesus has risen from the dead, they get to go and tell everyone about it. They get to share this story of great hope. Because that's a hope that has come for all people. See, there are moments in our lives where it seems like hope comes to kill us, but Jesus comes to deliver hope that fills us. And I love how it happens. Because hope is delivered in two powerful ways in this story. The first is one that you can't miss. The first sign of hope is when Jesus is transfigured. That moment where the Son of Man is revealed in all of his power and all of his glory. The great, big, glorious moment. You just can't miss that moment of hope. But the second moment of hope perhaps meets us at a time where you would least expect it. After Jesus is no longer transfigured. After they're coming back down the mountain. That's when Jesus speaks these words of hope. See, what Jesus reveals to us here is that he doesn't only meet us in the big moments of hope in our lives, but he also meets us in the small, quiet moments. That he delivers his hope at times where we least expect it. Where we feel like we're only looking back and not looking forward to. And yet Jesus speaks these words of hope so that we know hope will carry us forward. And the best part about this hope The best part about the hope that Jesus delivers is that it will never fail you. Jesus will never fail you. The words that he speaks to you and to me are words of hope to carry us each and every day. Words that continue to fill us with his promises of love and of grace. That they carry us in the midst of the most difficult and challenging times of our lives. See, the hope that Jesus brings will remind you of his love. And that he has overcome everything you may face in this life. The hope that Jesus brings to me and to you flows out of us. So that we can share that hope with others. And we know that Jesus is the one who continues to deliver that hope over and over and over again. See church, uh, Transfiguration Sunday is a unique celebration in the life of the church. Because churches all around today, all around the world are celebrating this wonderful day. They're celebrating this great hope. And at the same time, it's a unique celebration for us here at St. Andrew. Because we get to welcome members into our community where hope is experienced each and every week. We get to share in this great hope that the disciples once saw and then were able to tell us about. And we get to walk together on our journey to the cross knowing what lies ahead. And that fills us with hope. Hope that one day Jesus will return, that he will rise from the dead, and he will restore all things. See, the hope that Jesus brings to me and to you is the greatest thing we will ever experience in this life. And he has come to bring you that hope here and now, and one day you get to experience that hope forever. And on that day, we will be united together at the foot of glory as Jesus shines before us. And we will raise our voices with that Easter proclamation. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. As we continue in worship, I invite the congregation to stand as we confess our faith together.